It's the herb at the end of the world. It's the herb at the end of the world. It's the time I took some time to heal. It's the time I took some time to heal. It's the time I took some time to heal. And I feel Sam Wise here, and today I'm excited to bring you an episode about the energy of maple. And um, yeah, this this month has been a journey to to do this research, to find kind of the right content to bring, to kind of put it together in a way that feels good and respectful because um yeah i found that in delving into themes about maple what i'm really getting is themes around generosity balance and reciprocity with the land and and just thinking about you know, my most direct contact with maple is maple syrup. Um, as someone who mostly eats vegan, <laughs> I consume a fair amount of maple syrup. And um, yeah, I learned that it takes a lot of maple syrup or a lot of sap to make maple syrup. And um, in our interview today, we'll we'll hear from from Bob, Bob and Rebecca at uh, Currents, which is an intentional community here in southeastern Ohio, that it takes about 40 gallons of maple sap condensed down um, over heat to produce one, one gallon of maple syrup, which is a lot of sap. <laughs> and um, yeah, so... It really had me thinking about this tree that I lean on a fair amount to, you know, contact the energy of sweetness. And, you know, what what I can do to give back to this plant that um, is so generous and has, you know, been taken from in a lot of ways. Um, so... Yeah, I started researching about maple and I found a lot of really interesting information about the energetics and the medicinal qualities of it. For example, that um, the inner bark of maple um, can has been used as a blood tonic, meaning like helping to, to clean the blood um, as a diuretic, meaning to like release fluids that you don't need anymore, an expectorant to um, get catarrh or... Um, mucus like really stuck mucus out of the lungs and the sap has been used as um a healing tonic both you know for treating sore eyes but also just as like a general health tonic by by different cultures particularly in um i was reading about korean cultures that use it as like a a general like vitality tonic which makes sense because it's tree blood (laughs) it's like the the energy and the vitality and the aliveness of the tree. Um, but what I really found when I was doing research was a real lack of information. Um, minus this one interesting study that's being done at, um, the university of, um, Rhode Island about the leaves and the bark and the sap may be helpful for regulating blood sugar, um, and reducing inflammation. Um, which is really interesting to think about again like bringing in these themes of balance right so the tree that brings so much sweetness um can also be helpful for helping our bodies regulate that sugar and um yeah in general I mean I found some really interesting information but in general I have always been kind of curious why maple really isn't talked about a whole lot in western herbalism it's not really in a lot of the like more um, like the bigger herbals that people tend to reference a lot. So, and I get curious about that. And something else that I was curious about was I was hoping to chat with someone who is indigenous about maple because 
you know, I really, I am here on this land. Um, and in this region, it is, um, Adina, Hopewell, Shawnee, um, Osage land. Um, and I was curious to talk to someone who, you know, had more connection and relationship to these trees, um, than I do. And that could speak to them over, you know, trajectories of time and different, different cultural, um, connections. And what I found when I was asking around was I got a no, and that was really good (laughs) for me to receive a no and like an energetic no, um, no one was like, no, I don't want to talk to you. But I like reached out and didn't hear anything kind of back. And so I was like, oh, that's a no. And so for me, that's just a really powerful experience in thinking about this tree that is so giving um, that even, you know, the most giving, the most like generous of beings gets to have boundaries um, and gets to say no. Um, and so I wonder, you know, if the reason why it doesn't feature very largely in like Western colonial herbals is maybe this wisdom and this knowledge have been protected over time, but I'm not sure. So that's just sort of my, my wondering. Um, but in general, it, it feels good to receive a no and to recognize it and to get to honor that. Um, that feels like it strengthens my relationship with this being and with the plant beings around me too. Um, because when I receive a yes from a plant that, you know, that's an honor and that's so, it's, it's really a blessing to be in connection with plants in that way. Um, and to get to benefit from their medicine. (sighs) So... Yeah, and just, you know, we can benefit from a plant's medicine just simply by spending time with it, too, and, like, really getting to know it and to honor it and to sit with them. And when I was deciding about, like, what plant was I wanted to connect with for this month's, um, like, Herb of the Month and this month's theme, it really came to me over the the new year, um, where I blessedly got to spend some time with some dear ones. Um, shout out to Mega and Sage, um, and Seed and getting to spend some time in, um, in New England over the new year. We got to just, yeah, have some sweet time connecting and, and we ended up getting to take this walk at night, um, out near some some water out near this little stream well, maybe it was bigger I don't know it was dark <laughs> but we decided to go for a walk at night and one of the things that really stood out to me during this walk well first of all was um my dear friends let me know that the constellation in the sky that was very prominent and shining at that time um which I had known as Orion um is known in some like Jewish mysticism uh, traditions as the midwife, which feels really significant to me because I'm considering going back to school and studying midwifery and studying nursing um, to have a bit more, (sighs) I don't know, connection to these like vital alive energies of like birth and life and death and kind of have a little bit more more training, but also just more of a platform to be, you know, close to those energies to help facilitate the, you know, the people and the times of being in between. I feel called to do that. And so it was really special for me to realize that this, you know, constellation I had always known as Orion, which in the mythology is kind of a dick. (laughs) He like, you know, Orion, the great hunter, his lore is like, he, uh, is such a great hunter and he wants to brag about it that he says, you know, I'm the best hunter. In fact, I'm so much of a better hunter than Artemis over here that I'm going to prove it by killing every living thing, like every living being, I'm going to kill it because I'm the best hunter in the world. And so Artemis and a bunch of the other deities are like, no, you're not. (laughs) And so they create a giant scorpion um to stop Orion from doing this and that scorpion is the scorpion of uh Scorpio in one telling 
um, in the in the Greek pantheon and Roman-ish, you know, those kind of get mixed together, but in that, that line of stories. And, um, yeah, so that, you know, who wants to be that guy? But <laughs> I really appreciate knowing this frame of, like, you know, and it makes sense, like, that constellation, which I'll now refer to as the midwife, you know, doesn't have a sword of stars of those three stars. That's a bundle of herbs. And the way, the position of where that constellation is situated um, on, you know, on the path of the Milky Way is kind of next to this like open dark space in the Milky Way, which is um, some people talk about and some cultures talk about as like a void or a womb that we're like, you know, beings and new ideas and creativity are born out of and that midwife helps things pass through that channel so you know with that that energy in mind we were walking and we came upon this beautiful giant mother maple in this this field and at the foot of this maple was this like beautiful round little um, it almost seemed like a basin, like it was just this little pool of water um, there. And we took turns, you know, just being with this tree, like hugging this tree, just kind of being in connection with it. And there was something really beautiful and powerful about this being, both in its largeness, but also in the energy of like protection. And like, you know, there's something very magical about being in connection with this tree and it was that moment where I was like, the next herb of the month is maple. <laughs> so that's what's, you know, kind of kind of guided me um, to learn more about this being. Which takes me to my interview with Bob and Rebecca at Currents, um, which is um, blessedly a place where Seed and I got to land after we moved to Ohio and we're looking for some some housing we got to camp on the land at currents for a few weeks um while we figured out our next steps and um it was very hot (laughs) very humid and I had a little bit of bioregion shock um and like the generosity of the people there was um really really special and I think we're Seed and I both are very eternally grateful for the ways in which um, folks showed up for us and allowed us to um, be present and allowed us to to give back in the ways that we could. Um, and we're excited to be building, you know, friendships with people on this, um, on this intentional community, which I am very impressed that it is a community that has, you know, had its ups and downs and it has been going strong for, um, 40 years, 41 years. And Bob, who we'll hear from, um, is one of the founding members of, um, of Currents. And that's, that's saying something. That's a lot of time and energy, love and attention um, that's gone, that he has put into this community. And Rebecca joined um, about 11 years ago as a retired librarian. And um, they're both such wonderful spirits and I I really enjoyed getting to talk to them about the process of making maple syrup which um there's a small grove of maple trees uh on the land where currents is and um yeah it you know is a process that they do more for the community building than like you know producing maple syrup and it's it's a blessing that they that they get to do that and they get to share that maple syrup with the community and something that they say in the interview that I was really touched by is that it's it's more about that process of connection and community building than it is about like the product that they make, um, which I really resonate with. Um, But yeah, I just kind of want to like describe the scene that I'm about to introduce here because it's, we kind of just jump into the party and it's kind of a party vibe. Like there's people chatting, there's people hanging out and we're collecting buckets of sap that have been hanging on um, spiles or little like taps onto the tree. And these buckets have, you know, are filled with varying amounts of this like clear uh, kind of liquidy sap that is um, really refreshing tasting. It's very like light and 
um, like slightly sweet, but it's, it's, you know, I get the sense of like invigoration when I, when I tasted it. Um, and we're putting these, um, you know, we're straining the liquid from the trees to catch all the little buggies that may have found their way in to be like, mm, sip. Um, and then we're putting that strained sap into a big metal pan that is over a fire that's kind of enclosed over this like giant stove in the woods. And like, we're, in my opinion, we're pretty deep in the woods. <laughs> we had to hike like, I don't know, half, like 20 minutes, half an hour to get out to this spot, um, in the, in the sugar bush, they say. Um, and then the, the stove, you know, it encloses that fire in the bottom. It has that big metal pan that, um, the sap evaporates out of, and then it's covered. Um, so no more things, you know, accidentally fall into it. It has this like big kind of stove pipe releasing some of the smoke. And then what it, you know, kind of looks like in the beginning while the fire is getting going is this like beautiful, very like, you know, to me, very wizardly, like billowing smoke that kind of comes up around this pan and you kind of stir it and you're like waiting for it to condense down. And so, yeah, people come, they help collect firewood to stoke the fire. They help collect the sap and they, and they wait while it boils down, keeping an eye on the fire. So making sure that things are, are safe. And so that's kind of where, we are in the scene when um, I get to ask Bob and Rebecca, who have been doing this for some years, about the process, you know, of making maple syrup. And um, I just was noticing while I was recording this video, as it you know went from the afternoon into to darkness, while we were waiting a little bit for the sap to boil down, that shining through the trees, you know, in full view, was the midwife. Um, that constellation shining so brightly um, above us, you know, feeling some of her blessings, their blessings um, over the scene. So it felt very uh, beautiful and kind of full circle-y. Um, so with that, um, I want to give my big gratitude to Currents, everyone there, um, the, the eight households who are there and tend to the land, um, to Bob and Rebecca, to Joe, who is also there helping us um, get oriented, and to everyone who um, welcomed us into this really special moment. So with that, um, here's the interview. Here with Bob. Um, hi, Bob. <laughs> um, yeah. We're, can you tell us what we're doing right now? Well, we've fired up today for the first time our first full batch of maple sap we've been collecting for a few days, sparsed, spaced out by periods of rain and freeze and very weird very weird, un, un-New England-y maple season. But the trees do what they do, so uh, we've probably got 30 to 35 gallons of liquid in there, and it's already evaporated a significant amount. Before we put the new batch in, it was beginning to get some color uh, famously, the ratio of sap to syrup is 40 to 1. So you need 40 gallons of sap to get one gallon of syrup. And what we're trying to do is trying to arrange this to boil down to a concentrate sometime tonight so that we can take it off for batch number one. Uh, we've kind of gravitated that way to do it and get in these batches. Uh, and recently, the amount of concentrate we've taken off could be as much as seven gallons, maybe as little as five. And then depending on the ratio, I'd say we're Oh, ideally, we'd like it to be down to at least two to one from that 40 to one. Because mm-hmm. you, 
you really don't want to do all of this boiling inside your house. Yeah, I was hearing Rebecca say that, um, like, there's a, a fire danger about doing it in the house for too long. Or well, it's not. It's not so much a fire danger. It's the steam. Oh, the, the steam. amount of steam is damaging to things like wallpaper, woodwork. Paint. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you could steam the wallpaper and, right off your walls. And, and it would be very expensive to do it on a gas or electric stove. Too. Oh, the yeah. Amount of, of cooking you have to do. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. How long have you both been doing this style of maple syrup condensing and cooking? Well, I just looked it up today and we started this in 2006. Wow. This particular spot in the woods anyway. Wow, wonderful. Yeah. And all we had at first was the pan and uh, people built a, like a little stove out of cement blocks and just set the pan on it out in the open and we uh, boiled some syrup that way that year. And then the next year... Um, but it wasn't this pan, was it? Yes, it was. Because this pan right here? Because this whole gizmo... Oh. No, but we had the pan first. And then the entire stove came the next year. Oh, we were borrowing just the pan. Yeah, we were. From, and, uh, mm -hmm. from uh, the Far Valley Farm. Right. And then Eddie traded maple syrup for the, res for the right. entire stove. And they hauled it over here. There's a long story about it <laughs> and about how it rolled off the the, uh, the tractor. And it, it, it was crazy. It was a crazy story about how they got it here. Um. And when it landed here, it wasn't going any farther. So this is where it sat. <laughs> Weighs about 500 pounds. Yeah. Was built by some old timer that Will DeWeese got it from mm -hmm. his widow. Right. Uh, after he died. And that somewhere in that general Amesville, mm. other side of Amesville area. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, we've been uh, learning how to do this. Right. <laughs> and every year you learn something new. We yeah. were doing some mapling before then, but more like on a house-by-house -house basis. Mm. Just a few trees. And I will say, there's some real pleasure in doing that. Rebecca and I have two big old maple trees that I just call indicator trees. But we've already probably boiled down maybe four gallons of sap. And yes, and we got about three-fourths of a pint of syrup so far. In, we, we just put it on our wood stove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it happens so go. slowly because we boil water on our wood stove anyway to hum humidify the house. And so that little bit was actually no work at all, and we don't even can it or jar it, mm. but we've started eating it. <laughs> Do you notice a difference between, like, the maple syrup that you make at home, like on the wood stove, and what you buy in the store? I have no idea what it's like, the the real maple syrup you buy in the store, because I've Never really had anything but homemade. <laughs> what a blessing. They have evaporators generally powered by something like gas. I think. You mean the commercial people? Commercial mm -hmm. ones where they can, in some sense, put sap into this big machinery and have syrup come out the other end. Mm, wow, yeah. Rather than... But this process will... Every, every batch is going to taste different, and this one will probably be a kind of smoky-tasting batch because there's mm -hmm. a lot of smoke around it. And mm -hmm. I really like that. I, I really like the maple syrup that's really dark and mapley and has a little bit of a smoky flavor. Me too. It's great. Yeah. Tra yeah traditionally, the first run, and we, this would have to count as our first run, just in terms of the season, that first run is very light, Mm. Uh, and light in flavor and, and light in color. Mm. To some degree, the later ones seem to have more character. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and the first run, when it's light and it doesn't have a lot of, it's mostly sweet, that's what's called grade A syrup. And that gets the uh, highest price. And I don't understand it because I think the later <laughs> syrup is so much better. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something really unusual about this first run. What's which, that? Which is that last night. <laughs> Rebecca says no. <laughs> That's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it. Say it what they did. Well, 
Joe and their their friends had hot dogs out here, and so they, you know, all you need to do is warm up a hot dog; it's already cooked, and they got warmed up in the boiling sap. <laughs> <laughs> so, Delicious, aren't those maple sausages then? Well, well, you you want to be sure not to let vegans know this uh, because there's been a little bit of meat boiled in with this. Uh, 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 uh. I think most of it would have boiled away. Yeah, and this is just stuff that like you know that your community is using, right? So it's not it's not going out in the, the world. Community is what the, your, the sap and the the maple syrup it's that comes from this boil is just being used by the community, right? right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it's yeah. not no big deal. It's not commercial at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I loved hearing you say that every year you learn something different. I'm curious if there's something you learned this year or like any other like or any like lessons that kind of stand out in your mind as like really interesting learnings from doing this process. Oh, in terms of the, there's the physical process and then there's the social process. And the physical process is pretty straightforward and quirky because of this device. And so I've been trying to teach the younger folks. It's like a chemical reaction where you want to try to balance two reagents and the reaction can only go as fast as the reagent that has the least amount. That'll be the limiting factor. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we're limited by the amount of sap we have and we've got to ease off the heat pedal. But then right now, the really delicate point, uh, which is like an artisan kind of feel related to this particular equipment, is trying to get to that concentrate. Everything else is very forgiving. Hmm. really, other than, you know, figuring out how to not put any unnecessary amount of crap in there to start with, Mm -hmm. because people often are going around and partly to amuse themselves, but, you know, just uh, skimming off this froth. Yeah, it's more uh, uh-huh. So which can I ask what you're doing right now? Which is faintly sweet. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether this is just kind of an anal thing or how necessary it is. But it seems to be asking to be have this. We're just starting to get a good boil on. Uh-huh. And as the first boil gets going, it starts making these bubbles and, and froth. Kind of looks foamy. Which is, yeah, foam. Which then you scrape off. I've heard of that with people making um, bone bronze to that as the boil gets going that they scrape off the foam and that's like about taking out impurities and I've yeah. never done that but I understand that's a part of a lot of different like medicine traditions so I think your intuition makes a lot of sense. I mean, <laughs> well, even when you're even, even when you're finishing the last amount in a in a pan on the stove, there's still going to be a little bit of froth that you're going to have to skim off mm. before you can it. Mm. Because you don't want that going in the can. You want it nice and, and clear. Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. Look, this totally. has kind of almost disappeared on its own. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we're not up to a ro- rolling boil, but I guess we're getting close. Because we're starting to mm-hmm. yeah, see, I see that churning up yeah. from underneath. This is a little different than almost... One thing that's different about this is that the wood that we're burning right now is... Uh, almost all very small so we're making a f- big fire out of a lot of kindling it's going to burn really quickly let's get a mm. look at this he's still got plenty of space in the oh pan. yeah and the color yeah, is changing it, it was is. all clear yeah. and now it's getting yeah. starting to more more mm-hmm. tannish starting to turn tannish mm-hmm. so smaller yeah. pieces is better than bigger pieces so that you can get no, no, it's just different. It's better, it's just different. Okay. Uh, mm. If we just happen to have a whole lot of small wood, that means the fire's going to do its thing quicker and then go down quicker. Mm-hmm. Also means that we can jam some more in there before we leave, which we'll want to because it's a lot of wood. 
Bob, no. you were you were talking about the social aspect of it as well as the physical aspect. Did you want to say something about that? Oh yeah, thank you for bringing it around. Because <laughs> that's more of what the learning has been this year so far. Well, for one thing, you've got kind of at least you've got different people, different people have different attitudes towards it. Uh, normally. I mean, the old timers have not been into suffering. Uh, and so it's the time of the year when you've been cabin fever and I really want to get out in the woods, do the last bit of bringing firewood in to top up people's stoves and stuff. Uh, and I, so I like to integrate it with that and I'm, I'm not I'm excited for the product that we get, uh, but I'm not attached to the production angle. Mm -hmm. You know, we could tap more trees, they would be farther and farther away, farther and farther away from the boiler here. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that to me means, yes, we could produce more, but the elegance and efficiency you know, we wouldn't get as much more syrup for the corresponding amount of labor. And it is super labor intensive. Mm -hmm. Well, you can say it's labor intensive to work out at the gym, too. <laughs> so you just better enjoy it. I, I... You should enjoy mm. it. And also, like, like we've said, we started this as just a fun thing to do at the end of winter. Mm. It's, it's a community building thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, an, it's just a chance for us all to get out again after... A, a long winter and so that to us has and seemed it's like COVID winter for him, oh yeah so. yeah and that and that has just seemed like the most important thing and it's different this year because we have all all these new all you new people mm -hmm. coming in and wanting to be part of it too so that gives it more excitement mm. we've had a couple of years where it was just a few of us old timers doing this and we got really bored really fast <laughs> Well, I love hearing about how, yeah, what you love about it and, like, how you experience it. And it sounds like there's a real balance between, like, the the labor and the artistry of making mm -hmm. the syrup and also, like, the ritual of mm -hmm. getting, you know, ending winter, like, kind of pairing the gathering of wood mm -hmm. with the making of the maple syrup so that it's, like, yeah. beautifully, elegantly efficient, but mm -hmm. also kind of this, like, yeah, this this balance of... And labor and social and like honoring the season honoring the season and as i said a community building thing that's, yeah that just seems like the most important thing for us yeah that's beautiful one thing i've realized about it for a long i mean i'm a kind of person who works by the hour when i get paid whatever it is making firewood or making cabinets or something like that and you don't want to know <laughs> uh, tell him Bob <laughs> tell, you, tell him <laughs> you don't want to know the amount of hours that goes into this for the amount of production you get mm -hmm. I mean it's still probably I mean if you gave yourself some it probably it'll be cheaper than us going and buying it and we and it's such a luxury mm -hmm. it's such a luxury item and mm -hmm. Beck might say something about the brunches is where <laughs> yeah the community yeah. building keeps going with the brunches and all the right. breakfast afterwards we uh we use a lot of the syrup for our community brunches pancakes yeah pancakes on sunday morning mm. yeah that's so beautiful to hear you say that it's really about the community building mm -hmm. and that you know that mm -hmm. the lab there's so much labor that it really like sh sh can't and shouldn't be like monetized no it's but, yeah. not it's not. Yeah. It's, um, it isn't that we need it, it, but what we need is is to be together and to do this together. Mm, yeah. And to have <laughs> and to have and to have the communion out here in the woods in nature. Mm. The the trees this time of year are just awesome. They you can see that they've things haven't gotten green yet, but they're about to 
Yes, I was yeah. thinking that today. We went yeah. for a hike this morning, and I feel this real like upsurge of energy. You like do. the bare branches are kind yeah. of sparking at the ends, kind of pulling up energy, exactly. getting ready to pop. I feel exactly. that as well. They yeah. they just seem like they're alive at the very beginning of their aliveness mm. in this season right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And that's such a blessing to be able to notice that, like, in community together and yeah. to, like, yeah, come yeah. back, especially after a long covid winter. Oh, yeah. 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 We don't really need more sugar in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we could always use more sweetness. Yeah, more sweetness. You know, I've been um, researching some of the stories about maple and sugar maple in particular Uh and i'm very curious to learn more about indigenous stories about um the sugar maple and there's this there's this theme that i'm noticing of um sweetness and nourishment and community building and Mm. gifts that take work Mm. and to me that really Mm. resonates with what you're talking about with community Mm. building and sweetness it's like it's Mm -hmm. so beautiful to take Mm -hmm. in sweetness the sweetness of connection the sweetness of like you know, of the food or whatever, but it, it also takes so much tending and takes yeah. so much work and takes so much presence. But that, you know, that work can be sweet. So again, that, that theme of balance is coming up a lot when I, when I yeah. think about this tree. Yeah. And you talk about the way the Native Americans made syrup and sugar. It, it just seems like a mystery to me how they did it before they had metal, mm. metal, um, kettles mm-hmm. i i can't i mean there have been theories about it and some of them have been debunked and it just seems like almost impossible that you could do this kind of a process without a metal pan to do it in but yeah it, it must have been done yes definitely and i'd like to know how they did yeah it. i'm hoping to to um to interview some folks at the Greater uh, Cincinnati Native American Coalition, oh, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, some of that wisdom and knowledge is very, you know, protected because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. been exploited for so many, sure. so many years. Sure. But yeah, I'm really curious about that as well, and and other aspects of the the medicine of the tree, like the mm-hmm. inner bark has a different mm-hmm. medicine, and the 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 sap undiluted. Um, I understand is like a like a health tonic. Yes. Because it's tree blood. (laughs) I have, uh, uh, somebody sent me uh, information about that, and I have it in my maple syrup folder Mm. about using the sap Mm -hmm. as a spring tonic. You know, if if you want to do that, bring some jugs back and take some sap back to drink. Yeah, we brought some jars with us because we brought, um, oh yeah, would you like some tea? Oh, if it's herb tea. Yeah, it's herb tea. We also have gin. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I did that once. We used to have these um, big potlucks, uh, y'all come kind of potlucks mm. on first Fridays. And so this time of year, I used to take um, a gallon or two of sap to put on the table for a beverage. Oh, yeah, so delicious. could enjoy it. Yeah, it's so springy. I yeah. tasted a little bit just with, like, my, my finger, and it was it's like, alive. wow. Yeah, it's very alive, totally. <sighs> yeah, I'm curious, too, like, in your years of doing this, if you've noticed changes with the trees or, like, oh. you know, or the, the land itself, like, I would, you know, what, what being in connection like mm-hmm. this kind of has been able to show you about I, the land. I personally have been disturbed by how many maple trees have just fallen over <gasps> like like just kind of like Bob's, bent over no oh Bob just even saw one happen one was it last year bob that you were looking at a tree and it just it just came out of the ground it mm. just fell over and the roots came up because they're very what shallow rooted <coughs> right they are very shallow rooted they're not mm. very hardy trees and with climate change mm-hmm. one of these days we're not going to have sugar maples here. They're all going to be moved yeah. north. Mm. We are at the extreme southern edge for sugar maples. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is more of a New England, Minnesota, Michigan kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and I I I it's marvelous know how long it will that, last. That yeah, we, that we have them. The uh, Bob Placer, who was one of our original members, who was 
teaching sawmilling at Hawking at the time let us know he loved to be in the woods, bird freak too for sure, <laughs> but he let us know that there was a sugar bush out here, uh, that the, there was a quite a grouping of sugar maple trees. There's a bunch of red maples too, but we don't mm. uh, bother tapping them because mm. they make so much less. I think their sap would be okay, but they make so much less than the sugar maples do. I think mm. we also, uh, as much as possible, try to be conscious of drilling the holes in the trees. Mm -hmm. um, and then getting the, the spiles out at the end of the season because it's, you know, it's, it's like a puncture wound. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, it's like they gave you the vaccination and left the needle in there. For yeah. Like, oh, my God. So I like Thank to... Um, I, I generally take the spiles uh, and take them home and clean them and sterilize them and store them mm. so that you're not introducing new bacteria into the trees. Do you mm -hmm. put anything so. in, like, the hole? Like, any, like, jar no. or anything? No, to they heal, heal up. Mm. Well, yeah. Hot tea? Oh, I'm, I'm fine. Just <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder about that. I was reading that the sugar maples are especially sensitive to, like, um, like car exhaust and like chemicals oh. and things like that's why a lot of they don't typically yeah. grow next to the roads um, well yeah this area is pretty protected isn't it yeah. yeah i mean the one thing that i can say here in the sugar bush more of the maples that have gone down are not ones we've tapped than mm. specifically ones we have mm -hmm. it really has i haven't noticed a correlation with that, but there have been some that were ones that we've tapped that have gone over just, and they, and some of them here that I am still tapping, I see this, they're starting to be holes underneath the roots. I mean, maybe animals also wind up digging it under there because it would be shelter, but I think it's partly that it's, it's rot sending in at the roots until at some point you know, they've lost their grip on the ground. Mm, mm -hmm. And then a big wind will push them over. Yeah. Sometimes more than one at a time. Mm. Seeing where it push mm. one over and then it hits another one and that goes over. Not right. that I've seen it, but yeah. uh, you know, when we come out here, there's a big maple, some kind of maple down mm. a little mm -hmm. over here, but it's, again, it's not even close to any that we've tapped. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if it's fungal or like something, you know, with, cause you're noticing it's coming, you know, the instability at the roots. Cause um, something that I, in my research came across is like in herbalism and the, the flower essence of the maple mm -hmm. flowers carry mm -hmm. significance. And the significance mm -hmm. is like being held in balance between the earth and the sky, like for people who feel kind of out of place to help mm -hmm. them kind of feel centered mm -hmm. in that. And that's interesting that you're noticing like an ungroundedness yeah. in the trees yeah. over time. Yeah. I'm curious too, is, you know, in, cause the trees are so generous in the giving of their like life bud and giving of their, their sap and their syrup. Are there ways that you like, you know, tend to them or like, give offerings or, or give back to them in a way that, that feels good. Actually, you know? I, was, I was going to bring some uh, cornmeal back here. Um, I didn't get out here when we were first starting to tap them, and I was going to put a little cornmeal at each one. Mm. But I didn't do that. And I think we could still do that when you go and collect. Just take a little cornmeal. Yeah. A few years ago, when some of the children were smaller, and they were doing some craft things once a week, along with knitting, uh, they cut out little little uh, pink and white and red hearts for Valentine's oh. and then distributed them to each tree that had it. Oh, they gave the trees the yeah. hearts. Oh my God, so <laughs> I sweet. I figured, you know, it's paper. It's going to disintegrate yeah, yeah, them. Yeah. That's so lovely. Yeah, many different kinds of offerings. I really like song yeah. as an offering, yeah. too. I wish I knew some maple, maple um, condensing songs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any maple songs, mm. but... Um, I did write a poem about this process. <gasps> Do you know Do it? Do you know it? Not offhand. Oh. But it's about, it's about the wild geese coming north and, and about 
about how they know their way and we're a little band of people trying to find our way. Oh, that's so sweet. We need to hear it, right? Yeah. I'll send it. I can send it. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. If if it feels okay, I'd love to include it in the text of the the episode if you're willing to share it. I had a couple of incarnations. Mm. (laughs) I'll try to find the one I like the best. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, well, any other pieces of, like, wisdom or learnings about this process or being in relationship with these trees that feels like it wants to come forward? I, I, you know, it's not something that, it's kind of interesting that you're willing to talk about the relationship with the trees. Mm-hmm. Because mostly I have experienced that we just come out here and just do it and we don't talk about that part of it but mm. it's it's a very important part to me and I think it is to everybody mm-hmm. we just don't talk about it yeah well I know a song that is not a maple song but it's a good offering song oh, nice. um, that I can offer to the trees and maybe oh, seed boy. will join me in it okay. are you down for that what song the river is flowing, growing and growing. The river is flowing down to the sea. Mother, carry me, your child I will always be. Mother, carry me down to the sea. The river is flowing, growing and growing. The river is flowing down to the sea. Mother, carry me, your child I will always be. Mother, carry me down to the sea. Maple sap is flowing. Yes, girl. Slowly and slowly. Maple sap is flowing down to the. Yeah, or up from the ground. There's a river underneath our feet. Yes. As a river of water and minerals. It's coming up through the trees. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, and now we're seeing this shoot of flame coming out of the top of the chimney pipe which is not something we've seen yet today oh wow okay kind of indicates that our fire got really hot and so some of this creosote that had built up on there caught fire. Oh, is that mm. what we have to do? We didn't clean that, this chimney yeah, that, this year. Yeah. <laughs> that's, okay. in, that's in lieu of chin, chimney sweep. Yeah, <laughs> it's just burn it out. That's how we do the chimney oh, sweep. Oh, nice. Yeah. That is prevent. wonderful. Oh, yeah. Lovely. So, I like the, uh, the lighting. Yeah, from so the fire. visible yeah, here yeah. because we're in the dark. In the yeah. This is pretty yeah, rare for me to be out here in the dark. Yeah. Well, I wonder, Bob, if you have any other pieces of learnings or wisdoms that you would like to share about the process of mapling or, like, the trees themselves or this what it's been like to tend this land for all the years you've been here. When you mentioned about the maples, where Rebecca and I live, uh, there is a really huge mother maple. And the, and the little... Uh, it's it's a double trunker from a little it's a it's a single stem but it divides reasonably low and goes in two perfectly symmetrical big trunks each of those trunks each of those trunks like two feet in diameter the whole thing like three feet uh, at the bottom and I don't know what Keith and Becky and did when they lived in the house. Oh, sweet! That's beautiful. But I, we, I've never tapped it, and I won't tap it. And, yeah. and it's right by a, a little side path of ours, and I just, 
some percentage of the time I go by there, I just stop and put a hand on this tree that fills the little valley with maple saplings by the hundreds. Uh, there are some other non-maple trees in that little cove, but it basically is reserving between its shade. And of course, maples are the ultimate shade gleaners. Mm. They are true shade trees. And so they, in a real maple woods, they don't, there's hardly any wasted sun energy getting to the ground. So it, it makes a nice clean understory in that way. But it's, very, it's vain and selfish of me, but I have tried to make a deal with this tree <laughs> to not die before I do. <laughs> I don't think that's vain or selfish at all. It feels like you have a real relationship with this mother maple. And I get that energy from maple too, like a very generous like mother energy, especially the really big ones. And so I love that you have this like respectful, yeah. honoring relationship with this tree and that you're honoring its life and asking also for its protection to help honor your life. <laughs> and so everyone hopefully will have lots of longevity. I can't by any, I couldn't remotely get my arms around it, but I will lay my hand on it from time to time. Yeah. yeah. Don't drill any holes. Yeah. In that one, its big old roots go across the path, so uh, they make steps. Wow. But it seems very healthy. Mm-hmm. And it has, I mean, I, uh, I do very much identify it as a female tree mm-hmm. in comparison. there it, it has a sort of consort. Mm very much closer to Rebecca's house, which is a red oak tree of about the same girth. But it's a bit leaning, fortunately not toward Rebecca's house. It's a bit of a leaner, you know, like a guy that generally has gone down to the pub before he went home or something like that. But it also seems pretty darn healthy and drops a mint of acorns, which we are blessed and cursed by those beautiful squirrels that have, are just wanting to invade our house. They love getting into buildings and, um, and to fight serious battles was, against them to get them out of our ceilings and okay. stuff like that. <laughs> How mischievous. <laughs> yeah, because they ruined the fiberglass. And, and you, you, could, you got to be able to see it. This was right above where our wood stove is. And, oh, there's a big round area where we can, where all the snow is melted and all the rest of the wood. But, you know, kind of like a big blotch. We could really tell right where they were before we even tracked them down and began to see, see them and found their entrance. Oh my gosh. Not surprisingly by the chimney. Makes sense. But they're also so elegant. So utterly elegant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, Bob. I'm gonna stop recording now, and if you know if something else comes up that's like feeling exciting to to record, we can start again. But I'm gonna pause it for um, now. Are you gonna load the fire again, Bob? And that's it for today's interview. Big thank yous to Bob and Rebecca, and everyone at Currents. Uh, we really appreciate um, getting to know everyone and getting to uh, build friendships with y'all and. Thank you to Seed, who was also there asking great questions. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just, I really am grateful to sit with the sweetness um, and the grief of this episode and just thinking about how, you know, the climate is changing and there's there's a lot um, in this time and in times previous that... Um, 
call for grieving. And I wonder too, if that could be another offering to the maple in this land of finding ways to really honor that grief and sit with that grief and really let it touch us so that we can orient to the new possibilities that can only come from being with grief deeply and um just some ideas for some other ways to um, give back to the very generous maple trees in the lands um, where they grow and live. I invite you to join me in donating to the Greater Cincinnati Native American Coalition. I'll make sure there's a link to that organization in the chat. And um, if you live in the Bay Area or um, or just want to be a part of a really amazing rematriation project, I invite you to donate to the Sigorte Land Trust. And there's an option for, um, I think it's, it's the language is geared towards folks who live in the Bay Area to pay Shumi, which is a gift or a land tax for folks who are settlers on that land. Um, but I believe anybody can do that. <laughs> so um, may there be... Many more such structures uh, available um, and so that folks can have the space and the access to the lands they need um, to care for them and tend to them. I'm really sitting with um, Bob and Rebecca's story about witnessing the maple trees uh, just fall over and become ungrounded. And I really wonder what would happen if we returned land to the stewardship of its original tenders. Um, and what, you know, what health we could see for all beings because of that. So just want to acknowledge too that I have so much learning to do and unlearning to do. And I am always, you know, moving towards that and um, ask your forgiveness if I have um, made any, you know, mistakes or misnaming in this episode. Um, I will try to correct them if I find them, but just, you know, honoring that. There's a learning curve and um, yeah, I seek to to learn more, to find ways to give the land back um, in my lifetime and just always moving towards this balance, um, which is an equilibrium, right? Like it's never, you're never in balance and then that's it, you're done. <laughs> and there's always, you know, movement and um finding finding that balance in that movement so um may we find our joyous place in that movement for justice and um healing so with that i want to again just send my gratitudes to um to bob and rebecca and yeah may the mother maple tree on um the land where currents resides, live long and a joyous uh, life. May the squirrels have all <laughs> of their housing needs met. And <laughs> um, yeah, may everyone uh, feel grounded and connected to spirit where they are. And if not, you know, I, I pray that folks find ways to connect to plants of their lineages and the sweetness of uh, the connection of community where you can find it because I really love this idea that Bob said is we don't need more sugar in our lives but we do need more sweetness and I'm just reflecting that the sweetness of connection can still be forged even in these times and it's the fire of that shared need and the promise of future branches that can keep bringing us together so until next time friends you've been listening to the herb at the end of the world a podcast created by me samwise raritan community herbalist teacher and organizer of the self-heal herbs mobile free clinic all my offerings are freely offered and community supported. It's important to me that all my work in the free clinic and all the content I create through the podcast will always be offered without a cost barrier. 
If you feel nourished and inspired by these projects and want to support more people getting connected to healing and learning, please consider being a supporter on Patreon by searching for Samwise Raritan Community Herbalist. Any level you can give at is immensely appreciated as it supports me in being able to live my most joyous and authentic gift to this world. I am so grateful and so in awe of the patrons who are prioritizing imagining a new and vibrant way to care for each other in this life. If you can't give money energy in this wild time, totally understand. <laughs> and another big way you can help out the podcast is to give us a five-star rating review uh, on Apple Podcasts or other places you download your audio. That makes a really big difference in letting more people know about these projects. Thanks for listening and being a part of creating revolutionary dialogue in your own circles. I wish you joy and healing in your journeys and until next time.